I can't believe you sometimes. What the hell were you thinking? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't think they'd arrest me. I bet you didn't think his bodyguards would beat your ass either. No, not really. Just what were you doing at Keith Richards' house? You know I've been studying to be a warlock. I was looking for an undead patron. (sighs) It's the warlock subclass, the undead warlock, from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Scott, what happened to you? Oh, he owes me bail money is what happened to him. Yeah, $40 now. It wasn't always that expensive. Back in the 80s, I think it was like 15, 20 bucks. As if. <laughs> I don't even want to count how many times you've called me to bail you out. Uh, I, I appreciate it every time. I'm sure you do. Keith Richards' bodyguards are mean. That's what you get. I just wanted a hug. That's kind of creepy, don't you think? <laughs> no, I'm a hugger. Again, creepy. He's, he's so frail. He's a lich, I think. <laughs> I hope you're ne- not still upset, n- Keith. Next time, send an email. <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact, and he did not respond. So I thought maybe uh, he didn't check his email. So just showing up at his house was your uh, your go-to, huh? Uh, I rang the doorbell, and I thought when the d- large man opened the door, that that was my invitation to go in. You're not a vampire. I am. I am not. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bled so much. <laughs> <laughs> but you did get some other emails, didn't you? I I did. Uh, Keith Keith Richards. Uh, he did not <laughs> respond. But to my, to my numerous uh, numerous emails, uh, nor did Paramount when I uh, emailed them with a strongly worded uh, email about Star Trek First Contact and and how it was not it was not in line with Trek canon. They deviated quite a bit, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, uh, one of our listeners. I'm always like really excited when someone that listens to us emails us and and tells us. You know, all these nice, flattering things. I'm even kind of excited when we get an email that says, like, okay, you suck. It just lets them know that well, yeah. we know people are listening. listening. <laughs> yeah. So this fella, Sean, he uh, wanted to know about some best practices for bringing new players to the game, making the game more manageable for, for newbies. And he uh, works with students. So he has aspirations of starting a D&D uh, hobby club come, come fall and is spending uh, a portion of his summer really looking into getting that together. So I, I thought, we would, um, I thought we, would, we would call him because, uh, like Mike, he left his phone number 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I am reluctant to show up at his doorstep, especially Thank after you. The, you know, the Keith Richards incident. So <laughs> it's I nice think to a, know you can learn something. Yeah, a, a phone call would be probably better. But, yeah, we, uh, we wanted to talk to him. And we're going to do a DM quick tip on that to answer some of his questions anyway. But I like... I like talking to people on the phone. Well, let me dial them up. Yeah, see what happens. Dial, Especially dial people that don't expect us to call. Yeah. Let's see what happens. I'm having flashbacks of phone freaking. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Sean. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you finish recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. To leave a callback number, press 5. Hey, Sean. This is Scott and Bill and Lou from the Dungeon Masters Dojo. We're just calling you to say hello. Uh, we're recording some episodes tonight, so if you get an opportunity, uh, give us a call. Lou, do you want to do the number? Are you going to press five or whatever it is that works? Was it five? I wasn't paying attention. Is it, yeah, he's at uh, par for the course. <laughs> I don't think that worked. All right, say, say the number then in the message. My phone better not blow up because of this. <laughs> You can you can use your like editing skill to put put the Wilhelm scream over the number <laughs> and Sean's last name. <laughs> I will. We'll just have to send him an email and let him know what our number is. Yeah. There well, that was a little embarrassing. I was unfortunate that Sean wasn't home. He was probably like, "Why is why is this weird number?" Because probably. Oh, oh, he's home. He's just screening. Oh, yeah. if he screens it, we're connected. Yeah, we're connected, and we will. Hopefully, he calls and not somebody else. <laughs> yeah, no, that was his name. Yeah, that was his name. So that's good. So let's let's talk Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and the the Warlock. I, I love warlocks. Yeah, I I do too. I'm I'm quite fond of. Uh, I'm, I'm just not. Well, I can't say I'm not. Uh, I think a warlock in Ravenloft is, is, oh, I don't know. Does, does it seem like it's too much of a good thing? Yeah. I, 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 I kind of feel like, um, there'd be like heavy saturation in, in warlocks in, in like, uh, the domains of dread and Ravenloft, uh, almost to the point where if you were, if you were on indeed, <laughs> and you know you were like, I need to, I need a warlock job. That there re really wouldn't be any because they'd all be taken because there's so many. Uh, that and if you're a player character, you go to Ravenloft as a warlock and go, wow, this is, um, yeah, I'm home. I'm never, yeah, I'm this, not leaving. This, this is great. Uh, go ahead, guys, just fulfill the quest. Uh, yeah, you know, send me a postcard. You know, but yeah, I'm, I'll hang I'm, out. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang for a while. Yeah, there's um, 
you know, I'll get a nice little, uh, little efficiency or loft apartment and, uh, <laughs> you know, boil baby fat to make flying potions and all those wonderful things. I can't, whenever I hear Warlock, I can't help, but, uh, remember that Julian Sands movie from, okay, it's gotta be like D eighties or something appropriately named Warlock. This is true. So let's, uh, let's take a look at the Warlock, shall we? Uh, you made a pact with a deathless being. Well, just <laughs> yeah. or, or it starts off too much of a good thing already. Uh, a creature that defies the cycle of life and death, forsaken its mortal shell so it might eternally pursue its unfathomable ambitions. That kind of sums up every Dark Lord. Yeah, I mean, it screams of like Vecna and, <laughs> you know, other other big names in the lich world. Um, like, you know, Keith Richards, John Stamos. Uh, I should have went to his house. I bet you he's nicer. Um, well, he has nicer hair. He's yeah, actually, he's he's uh, he's ageless. <laughs> I think he gets dipped in polyurethane once a year. And yeah, he's like the Dick Clark of. I was uh, just about to say <laughs> the same thing. They went to the same gym. <laughs> uh, I like the expanded spell list. Uh. First level Bane, yeah, and I I love Bane, and False Life, and I'm not talking the the Batman Bane, the Spell Bane. Second Blindness, Deafness, Phantasmal Force. You can do so much with Phantasmal Force. Third Phantom Steed, Speak with Dead. Who doesn't want to talk to dead? Right, exactly. Fourth uh, oh. Death Ward, Greater Invisibility, and fifth Anti Life Shell and Cloud Kill. Very ominous named spells, appropriate for a you know a warlock for sure. Very much so. So I I like this uh, this little expanded spell list. It works for me. I kind of I I I think this is a neat um, a neat subclass for the warlock, and would be you know would be happy to use it outside of of Ravenloft. I, I think it would have a a. It would have a place at a regular D&D table. Uh, this would be, I think it would be perceived as a very interesting spinoff to your necromancer. Yes. There's a lot of parties that are dark parties. Whether they follow a dark path or a light path, they're trying to find their way out of the darkness. If this is part of the, you know, like we were looking at the um, the Twilight group to go, you know. Ooh. Oh, telephone call. Hello. Hey, this is Sean. Oh, hey, Sean. How Hi, are Sean. You? You, you're doing great. You were screening your calls, weren't you? <laughs> I, as a general rule, if I don't know the number, I just ignore it. <laughs> I just look at it. They actually left a message of some length. This might might be someone important. You were wrong. Nope, just us. <laughs> I sent them a text message. Oh, oh did you? you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sean, answer your damn phone. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, sir? What's that? How are you doing this evening? I'm fantastic. Oh, oh, and uh, we are recording. I probably should have said that up front. Are you okay with uh, being on the podcast? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I good. mean, do you, do you want me to see how quickly you can bleep stuff? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you've listened to you know, you've listened to us, you realize we don't oh. bleep anything. Yeah, I get edited heavily, but I don't get bleeped. <laughs> so Sean you you sent us uh an email and yeah. you have um 
You're uh, you work in a school? Yeah, I'm a high school teacher in yeah. Wisconsin. What do you uh, What do you teach? So I teach shop class, uh, mostly woodworking. Um, I also teach architectural design, um, some CAD and engineering stuff, but mostly uh, woodworking. Awesome. And Sean, uh, Sean's planning on starting a D and D club at the school. Kudos. Yeah, it was uh, it was something that a couple other teachers and I who are interested in the hobby were thinking about doing. And uh, last year wasn't the most uh, cooperative for that, so it's something we were thinking about doing for this coming year. Awesome. I have a, I have a quick suggestion. In in Woodshop, yeah. they have to make a gaming table, shape it as a coffin. Uh, we actually did a project. I didn't tell them exactly what it was. I called it a candy dish, but uh, we made dice trays. Nice, nice. <laughs> that we, is... we call them candy dishes because it's a little bit more um, universally like acceptable. But here were dice trays. <laughs> that is that is great. Um, so now we know where to go to if we need a new table for our podcasting. Uh, <laughs> we can call Sean. And yeah, uh, absolutely. How many how many stamps do you think it would take to send a gaming table from Wisconsin <laughs> to Massachusetts? Hey, it's, we just got to get a big enough box. I mean, if yeah. you remember the whole, if it fits, it ships from yeah. uh, the post office. We, we just got to get a big enough box. We can drive there from Massachusetts in seventeen hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on what part of Wisconsin. That's how long uh, I, it took me to get to Milwaukee when we Milwaukee uh, Gen, area. Yeah, because that Gen Con was there in the nineties, and I went to you know between 1990 and 1995 and and drove out every single time, nonstop. It was fun. So, Sean, we would like to we would like to be supportive of the um, of your endeavors to uh, go ahead and start a and D club at your school. Um, one one of the ways we're going to do that is uh, we have a DM quick tip that we're gonna we're gonna air uh, related to your question. And that's awesome. And we would we would like to send you. For your D and D club, a copy of the D and D starter set and a copy of the D and D essentials kit, if that is okay. Oh, that is that's amazing. That's awesome. Excellent. We uh, anytime we could get brand new players into the hobby is, you know, is is a wonderful opportunity. It's pretty much the only way they can make me loosen the purse strings on the the account. Yes, and <laughs> especially when it's when it's young people. Um, and uh you know in a school setting because i i do i always thought there's a lot you can learn from dungeons and dragons and and it oddly enough uh it applies you know later on in life and it's it, it's a good it's a good exercise for the young people to do so we are going to disconnect you from being on on the air so we can we can get your address or actually why don't you can you uh send your address to lou who texted you yeah i can respond to the text excellent and we will we will send that to you straight away so look for an amazon package or two that's awesome that's I, that's very generous you guys i'm really appreciative of that well we are a dojo and it's all about teaching it, it, it's it's our way of saying thank you for continuing the hobby Absolutely, because yeah. you know nothing survives unless you bring in new members, um, whether they're older or younger. And of course, the younger groups, you know, the younger people who have an opportunity to stick with it longer, and s- spread the hobby. And it's all about you know supporting the hobby and supporting the people that that are going to try to further it. So we want to thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, Sean. Thank you very much for taking our phone call. Thank you very much for listening. 
and thank you very much for uh, bringing in brand new players to the hobby. And thanks for thanks for the email. And thank you for your listening support. Absolutely. And be sure right, to tell you all the other teachers they need to listen to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And you can also have them all um, enter in our giveaway. Yeah. Have you, you've, of course, seen our giveaway, yes? I mean, I could, but, you know, I could also keep my chances as high as possible. Now. This is true. <laughs> this is true. That... Not, not that I'm going to think selfishly or anything, but... <laughs> And, I like this guy. Yeah, that that would be a wonderful a wonderful thing to uh, put on the bookshelves for uh, either your own home or the uh, D and D club. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean. Thank you again. We will not take up any more of your time. Uh, best of luck to you in the giveaway, and thank you again. All right, thank you guys. All right, have you, a Sean. good day. Good night. Bye. 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 Wow, two successful cold calls. Yeah, we're not, on a roll. Not not bad. Maybe maybe <laughs> I should have called Keith Richards before I went to his house. <laughs> My nose wouldn't hurt as much. Fortunately, you're tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to reach up to hit you. Yeah, you got you got me. Well, that was uh, that was that was always that's always nice to talk to one of our our listeners and Sean seems like a, a wonderful person um, interested in spreading the hobby to the young people. Yeah. I'm very, very happy about what he's done. And you know, it, it's, it's our pleasure to support people, you know, who are willing to do this and, and step out and cause that's his own time. I mean, you know, yeah. clubs, I, I don't think they get compensation for that. Lou, you're involved in schools. They, 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 Teachers get compensation for that. I mean, they not barely, for, get, not they barely, extra, they barely, yeah. yeah, they barely get compensation for their job. Um, yeah. So I gotta think that he, they're just doing this on their own time. So and and that's you know, I, not to detract from any other any other professions, but that uh, speaks to the to the type of individual that goes into the teaching profession. You know, there's a lot of dedication. That's, in the, that. per, that's the perfect word. It's dedication. Yeah, many of them spend extra hours after school doing the same sort of thing that Sean's trying to get off the ground, you know, with clubs and, and the whatnot coaching, um, mentoring. It's, it's a, uh, it's a, a, a wonderful, a wonderful career field full of wonderful people. So, uh, well, we wouldn't be here at all. Would we, if we didn't have new, no. you know, teachers, uh, that and cared. Yeah. That cared. That well, in cared. my case, they were really tolerant. <laughs> But they still so, cared. <laughs> so thanks to all the teachers out there. Thank you very much. Do, doing that. For your time, your efforts, and your dedication. So let's let's talk about Warlocks a little bit more. So <laughs> at first level, you get Form of Dread. Now, if that doesn't sound nice and welcoming, I don't know what does. Um, what, what it is, you're manifesting an aspect of your, your patron's dreadful power. As a bonus action... You transform for one minute. You gain the following benefits while transformed. So temporary hit points equal to 1d10 plus your warlock level. Pretty good. Any temporary hit points are good hit points. It, they sure are. Once during your turn, when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can force it to make a wisdom saving throw. And if the saving throw fails, the target is frightened or frightened of you until the end of your next turn. 
and you're immune to the frightened condition. That uh, right there is big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially in, in this world at first level. Yeah. Where everything is frightening. Yeah, everything's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can transform a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. And this appearance of your form of dread reflects some aspect of your patron. So, for example, your form could be a shroud of shadows forming the crown and robes of your lich patron, or your body might glow with glyphs from ancient funerary rites, or be surrounded by desert winds suggesting your uh, mummy patron, you know, that really doesn't blow my skirt up. Um, if that's not dreadful, uh, oh, the desert winds, any of it, like oh. if you're going to take on some dreadful aspect of your patron, you know, I would, I would want something really dreadful. Like, uh, the, like when you look in the mirror, but um, now, bump. this is what, it, this, this is a hostile work environment. And if we had, you, if by we now had, you should be used to hostility. If we had HR, <laughs> I had I'd, the HR. Be, if we had a different HR, <laughs> I'd be going to HR. For example, uh, a lich. You know, I would, I would, I would want my my character encourage my players for their characters to take on more of a a lich like visage. You know, appearing appearing emaciated, um, gaunt. Skeletal. Skeletal. You, you know, like really dreadful. Well, um, I, I would take it a step further and, and not just rely on sight, but the rely on the smell of rotted smell, flesh. Yeah. The you know, the acrid taste that's on your tongue when you get near something that's foul. Uh, go go all broke. Um every time he talks and moves, it sounds like bone grating on bone. Because yeah, there's no or, flesh to cushion it. Or leather creaking. Yeah. Just you know, use as many senses as you can and and really kind of play it up. And, and you know, with the mummy, the, uh, you know, uh, a face without eyes. Um, and the smell of wet towel. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, d- just desert winds. Well, well, those are just basic examples. You know, they, the, the, they, those are, are, they want you to use your imagination, so they give you something to start with. Flavor it, yes. players. Flavor, flavor it, it, you know, because make your character... Make your character epic and memorable and really enjoyable to play. You know, go, go, go dreadful. These are the reasons why that person failed their save and throws now afraid of you. Yeah. 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 I just say, oh, gee, there's wind. Yeah. Not because um, it's breezy out. Yeah. Okay. Or what about the stinging sensation in your eyes as if sand's being blown in your face? Yep. So you have a tough time seeing and everything's blurry. You know, mix it up. Use as, like I said, use as many senses as you can. Or how I would do it is I would use the, the sands around, you know, swirling around me, but I would, like Bill said, they're stinging my face, and you can slowly see my face starting to peel away. Well, you know, seeing well, the layers well, of that, muscle and, how about, and everything else. How about the howling else. of the dead Yeah, at the yeah. same time? Um, the Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser comes to mind yep. um, where there is that that sinister face in the in the sandstorm. Uh, something along those lines as well. Maybe those swirling sands. Um, your your face appears in those swirling sands, but it is a, a sinister face in those sands, much like in that in that movie. There you go. And how I would do it: this the person that became afraid of you. This is what they see. It's all thematics. Hand yeah. it up. Yeah, that's what it's all about. 
uh, hamming it up. Pick your pick your undead. Think about what's frightening about your your undead, and and remember, uh, vampires are undead as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is what is what is frightening about vampires? Um, I think of the Vampire King in the original Salem's Lot. What was it like nineteen seventy eight? Yeah, yeah. That was that was a scary looking vampire. That was no Bella Lugosi vampire. No. There. that was that was that <laughs> was scary. No pressed tucks there. Yeah, you know, take on some aspects uh, of that. Google it, kids. If Boris you're not Karloff. From, yeah, There's yeah. Another one you can Google. And and like Lou said, ham it up. You know, work it. And we've said this millions of times before. Just don't say, okay, take on my dread form. No, describe it. Players, describe it. Even if you've done it a few times before, add another layer. Um, give it some thought on what would cool it up a little bit. And DMs, reward your players for making that e- extra effort and getting behind their characters. Or even if you know you got a newer player who's learning how to role play, the DM could start him off with yes. a visions and let him start to play with that and then expound on it even more. So well, the DM should encourage this as well. You yeah. also have a chance here to ramp up the drama quite a bit because one of the effects there is once during each turn, when you hit a creature, it's frightened of you until the end of next turn. Well, what if that one character is the only one that sees this going on? Everyone else sees a little bit of wind and a little yep. sand or, you know, he's a little... A little fuzzy, like a, a thing of fog is is passed around him, where the player that is the target is seeing this dreadful thing, and they start reacting to it. Where everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, what is he reacting to?" And that's what I—that's where I was and, going with. And this. that's where the drama starts building, where as these things happen to individuals here and there, it's like, "Okay, I'm glad he's on our side because I have no idea what he's doing." But it's bad. But it's bad, and these yeah. people are freaking out, and he's just sitting there grinning at them. And DMs when this victim, for lack of a better term, is <laughs> is frightened. Just you know, don't make it. Oh, they scream and and like run away, or they scream and they cower. But you know, think of you know as as the rest of the party is is watching this happen, trying to figure out what what exactly is going on because they 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 are not seeing what what this this target is seeing. Right. But they notice okay the the target's hair suddenly turns bone white. You know, that old kind of mm-hmm. trick where your hair is scared white. Or they wet themselves. Yeah. Or they curl up in a fetal position and begin sobbing. They they go through the motions of screaming, but there's no sound. There's no sound, yeah. They have, they're they so horrified that they can't even produce the sound, but they, they have the facial expression of screaming. Yeah. Describe it, you know, really, really well, the reaction of, of what, whoever that target is. Uh, just to get a little interest from the players at the table. Granted, they've probably all got this book if they're anything like us or anything like <laughs> we've been our entire time playing this game, but still, make the effort to do that. It's not a board game. Yeah, because all they're reading is uh, a, a surrounded by desert winds. Yeah. Okay, so that's what the book says. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is what your victim sees. But to go a little bit back to what both Bill and Scott were saying, yes, the players may know I'm a, a warlock, but they don't know what type of warlock I am. Right. Most right. warlocks don't say, oh, I'm a 
a genie warlock or I'm an undying warlock or an undead warlock. I don't even tell you you're a warlock. I'm yeah. a ca- they, they, they figure out you're a caster. Yeah, exactly. And yep. Or he's using magic, and he's using different kinds of magic, but I uh, haven't quite nailed that one down. I think there's good chance he's a warlock, but I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, just because the players know he's playing an undead warlock, they should not be Meta. knowing, metagaming, yeah. yes. And and yeah. if you're if you're one of the players like me who likes to kind of keep that stuff to your vest pocket, I mean, how long did I play Lady Blackstar? And people still don't know exactly what kind of caster she is. It took us a while. I think some of us started. She's, she's to think a warlock. About, yes. Yeah, a lot of, but she has a lot know. of abilities that, that are warlock, not warlock, right. and so you don't know what kind of warlock she is. And we played that, you know, that for a good while. I like to keep that to, in my vest pocket. I I don't tell the players. Oh yeah, by the way, this is what I'm playing. Figure it out. It's more fun. So let's move on to the next one, shall we? Let's grave touched. <laughs> your patron's powers have a profound effect on your body and magic. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. In addition, once during each of your turns, when you hit a creature with an attack roll and roll damage against the creature, you can replace the damage type with necrotic damage. While you're using the form of dread, you can roll one additional damage die when determining the necrotic damage the target takes. Stacking. I love stacking. Yeah, that's some some pretty solid stacking right there. (laughs) Yes, throw some extra dice in there, scare the crap out of them. So I, I think these particular warlocks would would all have a similar appearance. Right? If you don't yeah, need that to, kind of makes sense so far, yeah. Yeah, if you don't need to eat or drink, you know, the these warlocks would maybe not necessarily be gaunt, but would be would be slender. Mm-hmm. Um because maybe they would begin to lose touch with the with the desire to eat because they would not grow they perhaps would not grow hungry. Uh, they would not have that same desire to consume food. You know, walking into a tavern or something and, and smelling the food and the drink, uh, maybe they're not smelling or maybe they don't find it palatable, uh, especially the the more and more they increase in their, their warlock levels for this particular... Well, yeah, this one is at six patron. level, so yeah, uh, you're, you're starting to get a little powerful here and you've had some yeah. time... And you're getting a little closer to whatever your patron is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wh- whoever your patron is, they're dead. <laughs> yeah. So, you you know, maybe there's this transformation that's slowly occurring where you're you're becoming uh, a little bit more like an undead creature. You go ahead and take this next one. I love this yeah. name. Necrotic Husk. <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> That speaks volumes just in, in that in that little that little title. Yeah. And you get this at tenth level. Your connection to undeath and necrotic energy now saturates your body. So you're like a sponge. You squeeze that warlock hard enough. And out comes dead stuff. Undeath and necrotic <laughs> energy. A lot of pus and goo. You have resistance to necrotic damage. If you are transformed using your form of dread, you instead become immune to necrotic damage. In addition, when you would be reduced to zero hit points, you can use your reaction to drop to one point instead and cause your body to erupt with deathly energy. Each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes necrotic damage equal to 2d10 plus your warlock level. You then gain one level of exhaustion. 
Once you use this reaction, you can't do so again until you finish 1d4 long rests. So that takes a lot out of you. It's a big maneuver. It's a big maneuver. But it takes a lot out of you. 30 feet from you. That's a 60 feet out from side to side. That's a huge area. It's big, yeah. It's it's really big. It's only 2d10 plus your wisdom level, so you could roll kind of sucky. Well, if you're me, yeah. I mean, well, you're starting at 10 points immediately. So you're looking at a guaranteed 12 points. Yeah. Yeah, you're 2d10 plus your 10 level. Uh, but you have the potential of doing up to 30 points. Which is which is pretty good. That, that's three hit dice plus. So with features like this, I, I see these warlocks being employed by organizations or individuals to hunt the undead because they kind of have these natural protections mm. against the undead. Granted, that may, uh, that may cause problems with the patrons. <laughs> Well, it depends on who, you know, well, let's say the patrons don't necessarily get along. Yep. Uh, yeah. Your, your patron and my patron um, are looking to get their own following. And if there's less of his, then that means my force is greater. Yeah. And there's the gong. So it's time for a break. Grab your elephant guns and your hunter orange because we're hitting the stars, nerds. It's space dinosaur season. Head off on a space adventure every week with The Homebrew, a D&D play podcast. Sure, there's lots of actual play podcasts out there. Heck, you can throw a rock and hit a dozen of them. But are any of these D&D podcasts sci-fi campaigns? You can't shake a stick at them because there ain't many, if any. And that's what sets these veteran gamers and their podcast apart from the sea of actual play podcasts. If you're new to D&D, old gamers like us, somewhere in the middle, or maybe you just like a good story, and who doesn't like a good story? Give the Homebrew, a D&D play podcast, a listen. You can find them on the web at thehomebrewpodcast.com or anywhere podcasts are found. The links are in the description below. There's the gong, and now we're back from break. I don't see undead patrons playing sandbox very well. No, and there's there's probably a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, with the with the patrons vying for... Lou's making a face. He's making a couple of faces. I don't like that feature. Why don't you like that feature, Lou? I'm only going to get one hit point back, and now I'm going to be at disadvantage for everything after that. So that means if I get knocked down, my death saves are now a disadvantage. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Yep. And if there's no one within 30 feet of me, I'm still at zero. Yes. Well, why would you if unleash I'm, that if you're no one's within 30 feet of you? It could happen. I could be pushed back and th- not realize how far I'm out of range. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's worth to go with to, to get one hit point back and then be at disadvantage. I, I see this as like the end of the combat, and everyone's weakened, and it's kind of like okay, I, I know I only have a couple hit points left. I've been brought to zero. Another hit's going to take me out anyways. This is kind of like one of those death throws. No pun. Well, every pun intended. Yeah, it's it's um, your swan song. Yeah, this is kind of like, okay, you're going to take me out? Well, I'm going to take as many of you with me as I can. And you unleash your necrotic husk. I don't see this as like part of a normal combat. No, I don't either, but I still... I, Are you sure you don't? Because area of effect anything seems to be your strong suit. Hush. <laughs> He's just jealous. No, I just I, I, I don't see myself going into disadvantage to potentially be... Brought back down to zero, because more likely if they're within 30 feet of me, you are going to be brought back down to zero, 
and now my death saves are at disadvantage. But again, at, at, you're dealing with 10th level. You're probably looking at an average of 22 points. So you're just shy of you know, three hit dice. That's pretty substantial for everyone within 30 feet of you. And again, this is kind of like your, your last ditch effort where everyone's already weakened. 22, 3, 4, 5, 6 hit points is pretty big uh, when you've been at, in combat for a while. You're already down to zero. So you bumped it back up to one. So which means you're going down anyways. You were already on your way down. So this is kind of, again, it's like, all right, I'm going, I am going down, but I'm going to take as many of you with me as I can. And this might be just enough to, to wipe everybody out and you walk away with your one hit point. Yep. Or at least turn the tide of the battle for the rest of the party. You know, maybe, maybe your barbarian and your fighter just dropped and everybody's like, at you know, that oh shit moment where it's like, ooh. And we yeah. had a lot of those. Yep, yeah, we've seen them. Yeah, and um, it, it's all how you play it off too, because it's like you, you go down, and all of a sudden he just rises back up from the dead, and comes out with some beautiful soliloquy, kind of monologues a little bit, and all of a sudden, boom, and people fall down, and that, some of them dead, and it's like, okay, they, you know, you have one hit point, but theoretically, does everyone know you have one hit point? And no? that is an opportunity for a little bit of awesome showmanship on the part of the 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 character so do not waste it yep you know so you go down and you're 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 flat on your back and then if uh if you've ever seen like the undertaker i was about to say the he, same thing you know just all of a sudden just sits back, sits back up there the enemies are taken aback probably the party members who are remaining are equally taken aback and are you and that's know, when you start your monologue to buy time yeah. so you can get to your feet. And as they start to close, wait till they get within, you know, 10 feet or so. Now they're well within 30 feet, and there's more than one of them, and you unleash. Slowly walking towards them. Yes. You know, your your arms outspread, you know, beckoning them to come to you and, and, and finish you off. You little, can't kill the dead. Yeah, little do they know. So at 14th level, you have spirit projection. This kind of speaks for itself. Your spirit can become untethered from your physical form. As an action, you can project your spirit from your body. The body you leave behind is unconscious and in a state of suspended animation. Your spirit resembles your mortal form in almost every way, replicating your game statistics but not your possessions. Any damage or other effects that apply to your spirit or physical body affects the other. Your spirit can remain outside your body for up to one hour, or until your concentration is broken, as if concentrating on a spell. When your projection ends, your spirit returns to your body, or your body magically teleports to your spirit space. Your choice. Wow, that's that's cool. Uh, while projecting your spirit, you gain the following benefits. Your spirit and body gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Makes it easier to kind of leave your corpse lying around. When you cast a spell of the Conjuration or Necrotic Schools, your spell doesn't require verbal or semantic components or material components that lack a gold cost. You have a flying speed equal to your walking speed and can hover. You can move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside the creature or an object. And while you are using your form of dread, once during each of your turns, when you deal necrotic damage to a creature, you regain hit points equal to half the amount of the necrotic damage dealt. 
Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Now, that's a capstone. Yeah, that one's kind of cool. Uh, just the fact that you can move your body to your spirit as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. Your choice. That that is pretty cool. And, right the, and that paints a creepy picture. Yeah. You know, of 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 a of a body kind of as rigid as a board, just upright and floating at a high rate of speed towards the spirit, and then this abrupt stop and the body jerks into motion again with breath and and in 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 movement. I got a question though. Yeah. Are you naked? When you're in this this spirit projection, no, you have your you look exactly like you do as if you're, but you just can't use any of your possessions. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. Because your that. possessions are spirit as well. I was like, all right, so you're floating around naked. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good time. Only in your mind. I think there's more than one. Just me who would think that you know. Well, I do now. <laughs> Thank you. Not. <laughs> Now, would it be creepier to have the body rigid as a board or flopping around like a corpse? I think that would be you know, the, the, comical. The, the, the head tilted back, the arms just kind of flailing at the side, the legs kind of trailing behind, almost like the you know the anime Naruto kind of run where your arms are always oh, behind was... you, kind of like flopping in the breeze, and you're just kind of being like something grabbed your chest and just pulled you, and everything else is trailing behind. Oh, in my, in my mind's eye, in the theater of the mind, I was thinking those those – Inflatable things outside of used car dealerships that are oh, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. I was like that. That's that would be comical, but it, you know, it might also be like deeply, profoundly disturbing <laughs> to see a body doing that. Maybe that's why I thought at first. <laughs> Not even that. I just like the part where you, you could just raise your hand and cast a spell. You know, yeah. You have to do any verbal, somatic, and for the most part, some material components. Some, yeah, but you know, not. Really, any that needs to, you know, a, a heavy gold cost. Right. So, or material opponents that lack a gold cost. But yeah, so that's, yeah, it's kind of, you know, wave your hands and make a little dust or something goofy like that and off you go your spells. It's a pretty cool capstone. Yeah. And uh, it appears as though you can use your form of dread in. That's pretty cool. That, well, yeah. yeah, all of these, you, you know, you start with your form of dread and use them all. So you throw that in there as well. It works. But so, this one gives you hit points back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you're scaring people. Um, you're gonna by now. You're probably looking almost like the younger brother of your patron, yeah, yeah, or sister, you're, depending you're... on whom. Um, so you're looking like uh, an undead, and you know your floppy dead body floating through the air. I, I like this. Yeah, I like it a lot too. I think it would work really well. Uh, you could put this with pretty much any party. I think it would work well uh, with a themed campaign or adventure i think you could certainly plant that into a a standard uh environment or adventure rather and it would perform just well and it would fit perfectly perfectly well in that kind of especially if you and your game master kind of connived a little bit and you told them what you wanted to do but neither you or your game master told the table yeah i'm playing a caster that's all they get out of me. And and connive with your game master. Yeah. I, have have text message conversations, have phone conversations uh, and just be like this is this is where I want to go with with a character. What do you what do you think? Can you work it into the campaign? Can you work my backstory and in DMs work with your work with your players. 
Yeah, with something like that, you're definitely going to have to. Unless everyone's playing something similar to this. Yeah. But if you're going to pull this one out of the, the clear blue sky and say, nope, uh, we're going to be in Faerun, and this is what I'm going to play. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, very very much so. And it makes almost for a tragic character. What would drive someone to seek out a patron like an undead? What am I what are you what are you looking for? Did you did you lose someone and you thought by getting these warlock abilities from an undead patron you you may in 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 some way shape or form be able to uh put a stopper in death to quote severus snape and keep a loved one from dying or did you lose a loved one that you want to bring back uh was your through your inaction someone lost and you feel regret regret or guilt so it 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 turns you to that patron only to find that you have no control over bringing anybody back just death itself let me turn up the darko meter just a touch it says you made a pact with a patron. What makes you think it's voluntary? It may not. It may not. It may be. What if you just in the middle of the night, um, everything's going perfectly fine, and a shadow steps out from the closet, which never happens, but you're always afraid that it's going to, and holy shit, it just did. It comes up, and I have chosen you. I need someone, and you're them. Uh, no, it wasn't a question. Yeah. And you, you are bequeathed these abilities. You have to go forth and do something. Yeah. Not, not even just why. It humors me. I would make it so that they want something, and that could be like the overall arching kind of backstory. Oh, oh they, they always the want something. They never do something just because. They always want something. But you may not know what it is right away. Right. I'll let you know when I need you. So there's always that. Uh, when is when is this shoe gonna drop? Yeah, and that and that makes it interesting for the player because the player doesn't the player doesn't know the DM the DM may not know, and you, you really don't have to uh, at oh, just wait the for onset. the right moment, right? And kind of unfold that backstory that for that character as the campaign kind of progresses on. There may have been things that happened in the player's past that they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could have been a generation two, three previous that the patron knows about, but you, you, you as the player don't. But you were responsible for your your ancestors' transgressions. Yeah, and this is how you're going to pay them. They may be so bad that generations have to pay. Well, that's nice and cheery. Like I said, I just want to crank up the darko meter just a touch. And that's our look at the Undead Warlock from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. See you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.